Welcome to Coffee Pods, a 15-minute coffee-length look at one of the difficult issues around the Christian healing ministry. So plug yourself in, pick up your mug of coffee, and let's go. Welcome to the fourth in the Coffee Pods series. Uh, It's great to have you with us, and if you're new, well, a special welcome to you. Today, we're going to look at the issue of chronic and long-term illness. It's generally regarded as a disease or condition that lasts, obviously, for a long time, and that can be anything from three months upwards. Generally, it cannot be prevented by vaccines or cured by medication and does not just disappear by itself. Some conditions can be immediately life-threatening like heart disease or a stroke. Some can linger over a period of time requiring intensive management, like type 2 diabetes. Some persist through a lifetime, but are not necessarily fatal, like some forms of arthritis. And some can be managed through diet or exercise and lifestyle and medical care, although some maybe not. In the long list of things that would come under that category, you have things like Alzheimer's or arthritis, uh, cancer, asthma, cystic fibrosis, diabetes, some heart disease, osteoporosis, a stroke, some mobility issues and and back pain. And and I've included a few. and, And if I haven't mentioned the one that is is meaningful to you uh, please don't feel I'm diminishing it it's just a very long list there are some implications of journey in in this particular process so there is some adjustment to be done to both the illness and sometimes the therapy that is then used to treat it It may bring additional pressures and stresses as it impacts the way that you might live practically. It might change the way you see yourself and perhaps even the way that you see and relate to others. There is an emotional impact that goes with it as well as a physical one. And of course, there are often other people involved in it too. A carer, a spouse, a partner, a parent, a child, a friend, and they are involved in this as well, and it impacts all. Alongside that, there may be other challenges that come. A sense of helplessness, that maybe you're no longer able to do all that you used to do and go where you used to go. Maybe that's become more difficult. And with that comes an element of frustration, that that lack of independence and of choice can lead us to a sense of hopelessness as we see that there is little possibility of change and resolution. That in itself can lead to a sadness and even perhaps, if we're honest, a sense of resentment. You know, why is this happening? 
it also adds to our anxiety level. Uh, and not only internally, but we can also become irritable with others, can bring a sense of tension into the household where we are and, and adds to our own stress levels and the physical and emotional and mental implications of that alone and can very understandably lead us to be angry, angry with the condition, angry with others, maybe at times angry with God. So one question that we want to ask is this. What does the Bible have to say about this? Is there anything there that we might find helpful? Well, of course, as we read the Psalms, many of the Psalms have these moments of great um, valleys, great despair, and they talk about either the emotional and the mental or certainly the physical anguish. I was on my bed suffering. And of course, as we read through the book of Job, you can see his story being chronic for however long it lasted. But it was certainly something that just changed the whole of his life. And not just in those moments, but in a sense forever, even though he found resolution to it. But interestingly enough, it's in the Gospels. It's in the story of Jesus as well. And as he is our model, it's the thing that we can perhaps relate to. As you go through uh, the story um, in Mark chapter five, there's the story of the woman with the hemorrhage. And it's recorded uh, in the story that she's had that for 12 years. It would be classified today as a chronic and long term illness. And Jesus very graciously ministers to her and says, your faith in me has made you whole. It's interesting that the gospel writer has a little play uh, with that theme, because uh, in that midst of the story of Jairus's daughter, as this woman is healed of a condition that she's had for 12 years, the uh, people from Jairus's household come to him and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid, just believe. And of course, the question is, believe what? Well, Jairus has just witnessed Jesus solve a 12 year old problem. And of course, how old is Jairus's daughter? Well, she's 12 as well. Jesus has just dealt with one 12 year old and he will be able to deal with another 12 year old. In Luke chapter 13, um, the story of the woman who is crippled, um, Jesus uses the words, um, should not this uh, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18, and he adds the word long years. So this is a chronic long term illness, 18 long years. And of course, if you ever had a cold or flu that lasted for a week, it felt like much longer than that. But if you've ever had chronic or long-term illness, then it just seems that there is no end. There is no end zone to this. And it is a long thing to journey with. In John chapter 5, there's the story of the invalid man at the pool uh, under the colonnade. And as Jesus talks with him, he finds out that he's been there for 38 years 
And actually, the chances are that this uh, pool, it was a gathering place where the sick and disabled and infirm were left by their relatives who were unable to care for them or pay for them or uh, feed them. And so they were just left there. And in fact, the man himself says to Jesus when he said, do you want to get well? He reverts back to the story of the angel and the, uh, around the, uh, the pool stirring the water. And he says, I have no one to help me. So clearly this man has not only been there for a long time, but he's isolated and alone. And actually chronic and long term illness does that to us. It gives us that sense of being isolated and alone. In John chapter nine, uh, the man uh, uh, who was blind from birth. Um, it's interesting. Um, if you do a little bit of Jewish maths, you work out that he has to be at least 12 years old. This is at least a 12 year old issue here because that's the age in which uh, Jewish boys were regarded as men. So at least 12 years old, but the chances are much older than that, because his parents, when challenged, say, um, let him speak for himself. He is of age. And so he would have been regarded uh, as perhaps being older than that. And of course, there is the story of Bartimaeus. We're not actually told how long Bartimaeus had been blind, but the implication from the story is that this was a long term and ongoing situation that would have affected him socially, uh, culturally, economically, relationally, in every part of his life. And we would probably today classify the symptoms and the implication of this as chronic and long term. So one of the issues then that we've got to ask is what response should the church make? Um, how do we pray for people with wisdom and with faith at the same time. And as we said, what happens when the church has prayed and nothing has happened? Now, as we've looked into this subject, we found some churches who've done remarkably well. Um, we've also found some stories where there's been sadder and the church could have done better. One person told me that when they after they'd been prayed for by the leaders of the church, when they realised that their body wasn't going to obey their prayers, they became invisible in the church. And eventually they just slipped away because nobody ever mentioned their condition. They said, it felt as if I'd made Jesus look bad. But of course, in the gospel story, Jesus is present with us to minister his grace and his love to us. So how can the church do better? Well, the first thing I would say is make compassion the central ingredient, not the power issue. And to that, make love tangible. So in our praying, yes, we want to do that and we want to see people blessed and touched by God, but also make love tangible. A meal, absolutely. Flowers, things that make life uh, bearable and making our uh, uh, the signs of our love, giving them hands and feet, things that we can do. Clean a house, you know, cut the lawn, making love tangible. But also being willing to, willing to just journey with people. You know, they're not a trophy that we want to nail onto the church's wall of our success. This is a journey that we need to take with them, whatever the outcome, that people will be loved and supported, whatever the outcome. 
and keep your focus on blessing. Do your blessing with the person, but do your battling in prayer elsewhere. You know, one of the things I remember uh, somebody was uh, saying to me that it was just the emotional toll of people's expectations. And in fact, one person said that one of the hardest things of being chronically ill um, was that when you saw the disappointment in people's faces after they prayed for you and nothing had apparently happened. So do your blessing with the person, do your battling elsewhere, either before or after you are, you've been uh, with them, but not during. Because generally speaking, it's emotionally unhelpful to have that every time somebody comes round to see you. One of the problems with it is that often we communicate in those moments our own fear or sense of hopelessness or desperation that God gets some glory out of this. And we communicate the fact that we are overwhelmed by it very often, which isn't helpful to the person because we often heighten our emotional content, but not our revelation about it to them. Also, it's possible to communicate that we're praying because we need to. We want to deal with our sense of hopelessness or guilt or our insecurities rather than what the person needs at the time. Along with that, we should also make sure that we just do ordinary life moments. Watch a film, have a meal, do a cup of tea. Things that just are part of ordinary, everyday living. Don't forget the family and the others who are involved. We mention them, the carers, the supporters, because this is not just about the person. It's about that whole network of relationship around them and their faith needs as well. It's possible to keep faith without naivety or presumption. That we are trusting in God to be who he is and do what he says he would do. And finally, I would say just let the person make their own decisions about appropriate ministry. Let them have some choice and some say in how this is done rather than just lie back and we'll do this to you. I guess the final thing before I pray is this, that perhaps long-term and chronically ill people have something to teach the rest of us too about God's enduring grace and his life with us. Maybe they teach us something about life and death and the kingdom and maybe it's a lesson that we ought to pay some attention to as well as the power of God's kingdom. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that in whatever state we are in today, as we listen to this, thank you that you are present with us. Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are in experiencing chronic or long-term illness, Lord, I ask that your presence and your love will be with them today, that you would breathe upon them and that the life of heaven would flow over them. And Father, I pray for those who care and support others, that you will grant us extraordinary gifts of love, wisdom, compassion, faith, and indeed, Lord, your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Coffee Pods today. We appreciate you giving us the time. If you've got any comments or questions, then please do let us have them at info at acornchristian.org and we look forward to meeting you again.